have been keeping up with the new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm and with Insecure, too, because they are both on Sunday nights. You've been keeping up? <laughs> I have been. If, you know, our viewers, our viewers, why do I always do that? Shout out to the viewers. <laughs> yes. Our listeners may understand that when I said keeping up, it could have been a reference to the show that we are talking about today. Keeping up with the Kardashians. They don't really have a good theme they song don't. for me to hum, I honestly do can't even remember what it sounds like. Oh, they change it. Yeah. In the earlier seasons, it was like... Or something. It, it wasn't that at all, but it was like some just kind of like bouncy, mm-hmm. dopey kind of music. But one thing I've noticed as I've watched some episodes to prepare for this recording is like the whole look and feel of the show just transformed so much from the mm-hmm. early days to the more recent seasons, which has gone right along with our brand. The music is Especially. Yeah, music and like title overlays and all of that, you know, title sequence and stuff like that all just feels so much sleeker and more modern and sophisticated now than it did back in the early days when it was like <laughs> everyone standing in front of that backdrop of a city that they had in front of their house and like they're all just like slapping each other and whatever getting ready for this picture and then Mm -hmm. the backdrop falls and it's there in front of the house and whatever but anyway it's it's a very different show today than it was back then yes but i guess they're very different people now than they were back then i am really excited to be talking about this one because this is a show that love it or hate it has clearly had an impact on our culture. And one thing that I found interesting, because I haven't seen the entire show. When I still had cable, I would watch it all the time because it was just always on E. But I've watched it on and off some of the more recent seasons on Hulu, and I enjoy watching it from time to time. If you just want something really easy on in the background when you're doing something else, or sometimes I just have a craving to watch like really bad TV (laughs) and I don't have cable. So Kardashians is like a really easy one to put on. But I was surprised in kind of thinking about it and its impact, how many contradictions there are within the universe of the Kardashian world, I guess. I just kept thinking, oh, well, they have done this one thing that is so great for our world, but then there's like an equal but opposite negative. And I feel like hopefully listening to this episode, like you'll be able to get what I'm saying about that. I don't know if you felt that way or how you felt about watching the episodes at all, because I know that you had never seen the show before. It's not that I dislike them. It's just that I am completely apathetic toward them. I just don't care about them. Like you said at at the beginning of what you were just saying, love it or hate it. I don't love them or hate them. I feel nothing toward them. (laughs) Honestly, I could not care less about them or anything that they do. And that's weird to me because for people who I recognize have had such a cultural impact, for me to like not give two hoots or even one hoot about anything (laughs) that any of them do feels strange. I'm like, what am I missing that like everyone else is seeing? And that's something I think we'll get into more later. But I feel like you are the one of the only people that feels that way. Probably. Because I have mentioned (laughs) to so many people that we're doing this episode and the extreme outrage that people feel (laughs) that we are going to cover this show is 
insane to me. Like I have gotten into healthy arguments with people about why this show and these people should be talked about. And then I talk to other people and they are like, yes, thank you. Like finally someone gets that they (laughs) are so important. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. why do they have such polarizing effects on people. I mean, I think it's obvious. And then you just being neutral, it is interesting. I have not encountered anyone else who's like, eh. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe we will get into some of the reasons why I don't care about them. I don't know that I can even vocalize it, though. I don't know that like I can put into words why I don't care about them. I mean, it's not like I would not care if they died like that would be sad they have families they (laughs) have done some important things that deserve to be recognized but like i if i saw one of them on the street in a flock of fans running after them i would not follow i would not get out my phone and take a picture i would just be like oh hey there's courtney Well, do you want to tell us what this show is about for anyone who has never seen it? Well, sure. I will start by saying that I had never watched an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians until this week. I've gone through a smattering of the important episodes as dictated by the internet on a couple of lists that I found. (laughs) So I have seen some of the highlights, I guess, of the show, but I am by no means an expert. So Elaine is probably going to be the one driving most of the, the conversation regarding specific points throughout the show and things like that. But I'll give you a general overview of what the show is about. Keeping Up with the Kardashians centers on the blended families of Kris Jenner and a pre-transition Caitlyn Jenner becomes post-transition later on. I I was sort of, I don't want to dead name Caitlyn, so I don't want to mention her birth name, but I do find it interesting that as I was watching the old episodes, everything still says the old name up until like the point of her transition, like even episode names with that name in it and everything so i I just found that kind of interesting that there was no effort at all to cover up any of that or scrub any of it which you know for historical purposes i guess sort of makes sense but also feels like might not be doing the most respect to caitlin well in that way but (laughs) but (laughs) we we can get more into that later if we need to but anyway chris jenner's children from her first marriage to oj simpson lawyer robert kardashian are courtney kim chloe and Rob, and then Chris and Caitlin also had two daughters together, Kendall and Kylie. So uh, it's kind of sort of a Brady Bunch sort of feel mixed in with the sort of celebrity family feel of something like the Osbournes, which is, you know, the Osbournes was clearly a a scripted reality show. (laughs) Keeping up with the Kardashians in the early seasons, especially that I watched, certainly felt that way too. But it feels like it got a lot less so later on from what I could tell. Or they just got better at it. (laughs) Or they got better at it, yes. (laughs) I don't know. I watched the episode where Courtney and Kim actually get in a fist fight. um, And that seemed pretty real. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, the show just follows the personal and professional lives of the family. And at the end of the day, it's just sort of a usually heartwarming look into this family that despite everything else that might be going on in their lives and the world around them, love and care about each other. And as the fame of the family increases, the show often shifts to cover controversial events and very significant milestones and things like that that happen outside of the lens of the show as well. 
So the show was originally kind of thought up in 2006 when Kris Jenner had this idea of creating a reality show that would focus on her kooky family. I think that she talks about how a lot of her friends said, oh, you guys have so much drama going on in your lives already. Why don't you just film it? So Ryan Seacrest decided to produce a test. He gave them a camera, had them film themselves, and after seeing the magic on that initial tape, he shared it with the E! Network, who eventually picked up the series. The show was announced in August of 2007, and this is just to give it a little, like, historical context, is one week after it was announced that The Simple Life, the reality, sort of scripted reality show starring Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie, was ending, and that had also aired on the E! Network. Could I... Ask, I don't know if you'll know the answer to this. Do you remember at what point in this timeline Kim's sex tape came out? Her sex tape came out in 2007, I'm pretty sure. Let me look it up just to make sure. Well, I watched the first episode of the show and like the tape was out and like Kim was clearly the focus of the show. Mm -hmm. And there was a quote with, Chris in a confessional saying, when I found out about Kim's tape as her mom, I was furious. But as her manager, I knew I had a job to do. And (laughs) I just thought that was like, it it was clear that the selling point of this show was supposed to be that like they were following the lives of this person who had become famous for, you know, this very dubious reason. But I didn't know what the exact time frame was for everything. From what I just looked at, it does Looked like it was recorded initially in 2002 when they were married, but it didn't Mm. get released until 2007. But that was kind of a formal release. I believe that like Ray J or someone sold it to like a porn company and then Mm. they distributed it. So it's possible that it had like leaked online before 2007, but 2007 was when like it officially was released. So there was an an idea for this show to happen before Kim sort of. I would say so. Notoriety. Okay. Yeah. The show premiered in October of 2007 and ran for 20 seasons on E! Um, There were also a bevy of (laughs) spinoffs, such as Courtney and Chloe Take Miami, Courtney and Kim Take New York, Chloe and Lamar, Life of Kylie, and Dash Dolls, which is one that you put on this list that I have never heard of. What was it? (laughs) So one of the things that I think everyone forgets or wants to forget is that the three sisters ran a store Mm -hmm. in Burbank, I think, called Dash. It was just like a clothing boutique. And so Dash dolls centered on the employees of their clothing boutique. Uh, Okay. (laughs) I don't think it was very successful. Well, since I've never heard of it, I would guess you were (laughs) right about that. So despite being critically panned from basically the get-go. The show was a ratings success for E! And during its first season, it was the highest rated show among 18 to 34 year olds on Sunday nights. The show continued to be a rating success for the rest of its run. It pulled in pretty consistent numbers the entire time. And the show also aired like a bunch of specials when there were major life events and one of those the kim kardashian chris humphrey's wedding special which is kim's fairy tale wedding had 10.5 million viewers which is kind of insane to me it sure is especially because at what point did they get divorced after that special aired like it had to be a couple of days right 70 days or something yeah (laughs) yeah Uh. yeah 
I just remember SNL did a sketch about like the whole special and everything that was called Kim's fairy tale divorce because it happened so quickly after the actual wedding special. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. As of the recording of this podcast, a production is currently underway on the first Kardashian streaming series. It was initially announced in December of 2020 that the Kardashians signed a multi-year deal with Disney and that their new series would be airing on Hulu and will focus on the next chapter of the family, whatever that means. So it sounds like they are setting up their children to get their own so- shows at some point. That is what I thought whenever I read that. I was like, we've got this whole new batch of Kardashian <laughs> children. Mm-hmm. It's so crazy that they might just be on the air for the next however many years. And if they're like Kylie, they'll have their own kids when they're like 18. Uh, right? And then <laughs> like it'll just the cycle will continue on forever. I wouldn't be surprised at this point. So usually this is the point in the episode where we go over some key moments in the show's run. And while I think that the Kardashians had its share of, I would say, meme-worthy moments in its earlier seasons, I'm thinking of there's like a season six episode where Kim loses her diamond earring while on vacation and Courtney's like, Kim, there's people that are dying. As... Kim is just sobbing because she lost this $75,000 earring. And then there's also like a scene in uh, season three episode. Did you watch this one, by the way? Uh, Which one? This is the one where... Oh, yes, yes, where they're taking Chloe to jail. Yes. Yeah, I just, I have, I pulled it up because I really wanted to play the clip of, (laughs) of... Chris yelling at Kim. But basically in this episode, Chloe is going to jail because she violated her probation and Kim is just in the car taking selfies, but I'm just gonna play like a little clip. Your sister's going to jail. Have a little compassion. Kim, would you stop taking pictures of yourself? Your sister's going to jail. But it's just like early on there were definitely moments, but I feel like as the show sort of transformed over time, the events of the show and the events of like their actual lives just started to blur so much. So Mm -hmm. instead of going through like a list of key moments of the show and then jumping into the impact section that we usually do of like some of the broader impacts the show has had, we're just going to kind of combine the two because it's really hard to separate them at a certain point. Like hopefully it makes sense as we go along doing it but it's gonna be a little different than usual but i think it's gonna be fun i think so too so the impact that i first thought about when i was thinking about the show is just how much the kardashians are responsible for changing the beauty standards in america and maybe also across the globe Mm -hmm. and one of the biggest impacts, I think, or one of the biggest changes to beauty standards that I think is there is, um, I I titled it Big Booty Love. One of the literally biggest impacts. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So early on in the series, the show addresses Kim's giant butt pretty directly. Uh, She has a moment in season six where she actually x-rays her butt to prove that she does not have butt implants. And I think that that's proof enough that this is kind of what she was known for at the time and is still known for. Can I just interject here and say the very first scene of the first episode of the series, Kim is in the fridge and everyone is in the 
kitchen and you know she's got her large behind just you know standing there <laughs> as she's looking at something in the fridge and chris says like i think she has a little junk in the trunk or something like that and like the whole oh conversation God. topic for the first scene of the series is just kim's butt so right. like from the in minute one of the show, it's <laughs> what everyone is talking about. And clearly into season six, that conversation topic has not gone away. It's it's just one of those things where it's impossible to separate the Kardashians from their butts. I mean, literally <laughs> and figuratively. <laughs> I I would say also... So to bring it back to like the actual point I'm trying to make here, I think that not only are they known for it, but the fact that they are so idolized by people, the desire for other women to model their bodies after the bodies of the Kardashians, specifically regarding butt size, is a real, it's a real thing. I read countless articles of I mean, this is anecdotal, right? But all of these trainers are like from the get-go, as soon as the Kardashians came on the scene in a major way, women were coming in saying, how do I get my butt to look like that? Mm. And I think that it's undeniable that if you go on Instagram and you look up fitness inspiration pics, what women are toning and selling to their followers are their butts more than anything else. And I think the Kardashians are to blame. And I dove really deep in and pulled up statistics from the American Society of Plastic Surgeons, which this could be me making a huge stretch like I am wont to do on this podcast, but the total number of butt-related plastic surgeries in 2007 was 4,338. That's all the different types of butt lifts and implants and fat grafting and all of that. In 2018, the total number of procedures was 24,099. So it went from like 4,000 some to 24,000 some over the course of the show's run. Now, plastic surgery is more accessible now, more accepted, maybe, but that is a huge increase. And mm -hmm. I just think that it is quite clear to me that the Kardashians have led this trend of wanting a bigger butt. Am I totally off base here? No, I think you are absolutely correct about this. I mean, the thing with beauty standards has always been that like they fluctuate with time there are certain things that are always going to be in fashion and out of fashion when it comes to bodies which is so weird because like <laughs> if for you know clothing that's going on the body it might make sense more so than for body types because you know, there are certain things about someone's body type that they are just not able to change but i think those preferences for what is seen as the sexiest the seen as the most beautiful or desirable those change because of individual people that are representing yes. a certain type of body in mainstream media. So throughout, you know, the 90s especially, it was sexy to be a stick, a stick figure. Basically, you know, you had to be stick thinny to be a supermodel and to be on TV, to be a singer, to be anything. And Jennifer Lopez is probably the one who started to change that perception, or one of the ones maybe. That's fair. And that was, you know, late 90s, early 2000s that she was really becoming J-Lo, you know, the superstar that we all know today. You know, and then you had Beyonce and a couple of other 
people following in those footsteps, but I don't think you really saw the complete transformation of what society considered to be the sexiest until you had the Kardashians in all of their fuller figured glory coming (laughs) on the scene and selling themselves with, you know, a sex tape, literally, but with, you know, all of these endorsement deals and these amazing photo shoots and things that were, they are looking sexy and beautiful and confident and owning their bodies and their curves. So, you know, it's not a surprise to me, I guess, that there are lots of people out there who would want that too, because it's not just about the actual beauty, it's about the attitude that the people inhabiting those bodies has. And I feel like the Kardashians, you know, even for admitting their insecurities about certain things at times, particularly Chloe, I would say, is the one who's sort of mentioned that the most of you know not always being the happiest with her body but all of them really have had moments where they maybe struggled with body image but they still projected this confidence in who they were and that i think is what draws people in the most and if you have a big butt on top of that then it seems (laughs) like they're saying oh if i get a big butt then maybe i'll have confidence like that because people will find me desirable and all that kind of stuff so that's a really good point I think. I I didn't even really think about that, but you're right. And I think uh, another thing that they changed that I think really is supported by what you just said is like the whole like filters, fillers, contouring that they do. That's another thing that while contouring has been around like forever, pretty Mm -hmm. much, I think that the Kardashians really brought that trend forward even more so like I mean if you look at the makeup of the 90s it's very different than the makeup of like the 2010s or whatever and I think that they were very open about sharing their makeup tips on their Instagrams on the show like you saw them getting ready and getting done up by makeup artists and that's something that I think has been copied by a lot of people not just like other influencers or other celebrities but that's something that's accessible to everyone and I think that every woman who is unhappy happy with not having enough definition on her face can look at the Kardashians, see their befores and afters and transformations and learn tips from them and take that on. So that's astute point there, Cody. Oh, I thank you. On the flip side of everything, like, yes, it's great. Women can aspire to be the Kardashians. They can try to look like them. But the opposite side of that is that most people don't have the money that the Kardashians have or the access to all of the things that they would need to copy that look exactly or change the things that they might want to change about themselves. And the Kardashians have also not always been very open about what they may or may not have done in addition to makeup to change their appearance. I would say Kylie Jenner springs to mind here. For years, she has denied having lip fillers, or she did deny having lip fillers. And then finally, in season 10 of the show, she admits to having lip filler. And this may seem like a very small thing, but it's actually like, I think so detrimental that she did this. There was like, I don't know if you remember this. I didn't look up specifics, but there was like this challenge people were doing where they were sucking the cup to their face to Mm -hmm. make their lips get really big, which could be dangerous. And just the lengths that people will go to to try to copy this look that they think is natural but isn't natural. And so this kind of got me thinking about how it's obvious that they've changed the beauty standard, but the fact that they're not always open about whether or not they've had plastic surgery or what they're doing to their bodies that we don't know about, it can be really problematic, I think. It's 
it's obvious that the image that they're presenting is very curated and, you know, whether that's with makeup, plastic surgery, shapewear, whatever. But do you think that these women should be more vocal about the way they craft their image? Do you think that they have a responsibility to do so because of the platform that they're on through the show and through their social media accounts? Like, how do you feel about this? So I I guess I'll start by saying it's every person's right to choose what they want to do to their body. So, like, no judgment to the Kardashians if they have had anything done. Of course, you know, if they have the money and they want to improve something about their appearance or not even improve but just change something about it because let's be honest they're all beautiful they don't need to improve (laughs) anything so to speak but it you know it's totally their prerogative whatever they want to get done but I think they do have a responsibility to communicate that to the world if they have because otherwise they're leaving people with this idea that it all does come naturally Mm -hmm. and that doesn't seem authentic to me in the way that they always want to be you know one thing about their brand has always been authenticity and like they've been so open and honest about so many things that it seems weird that they wouldn't be completely forthright about anything like this that they had had done especially because like in one episode that I watched, Kim got Botox and was fully <laughs> transparent about the fact that she had a bad reaction to it. You know, it was not a good mm-hmm. situation for her. So it seems like if they're having these procedures done and there's a chance that they might not go well for other people who are getting similar things to try to emulate their look, it does feel a little irresponsible to me that they wouldn't address that I had this done and it you know, worked well for me, but may not be for everybody or whatever it might be. It doesn't have to be a huge disclaimer, you know, on every episode or anything. It doesn't have to be a full-length conversation, but I, you know, they know the number of people who are looking up to them and who are trying to replicate the way that they look. And if there's things that could be unsafe for people to do, whether, you know, in a medical setting or in a black market kind of situation where people who don't have the money to get it done legitimately are turning to like they have to know that those kind of things are happening and if they are the ones that are the inspiration for that i i feel like it's a little reckless to not address all of that on top of all that too so many of their fans are so young especially kylie's you know kylie in season 10 of the show would have been what like i don't know 18 if that like so she has all of these teenage fans that already have enough body insecurity themselves i'm sure just because they're teenagers that's their you know what teenagers do but for people to constantly be comparing themselves to this family of beautiful people whose beauty may not be totally natural or achievable in any sense by the average person it is not only psychologically damaging, I think, for people to have to deal with the fact that they will never look like that, but also if they do try to pursue these avenues in order to look like that, that might be unsafe, that might not be something that they want forever, you know, might be a mistake 15 years down the line or whatever it is. I, I just feel like it's not cool to to play that coy did they or didn't they game um you know about these procedures and things that they may or may not have had done sorry that was i feel like pretty meandering explanation but um, hopefully it all made sense 
it it did make sense and I feel so similarly and I will say Courtney was open from the very beginning about having had a boob job when she was like in college or something like that so that is one circumstance where they were open but like that can't like I just feel like that can't be the only thing and maybe I am judging but especially when you look at Kylie and you look at how much she has changed over the Mm -hmm. years some of that is growing up but some of that is plastic surgery or fillers or whatever and I say to them like why like they're gonna listen to this but (laughs) why not be vocal about what you've had done like there's still such a stigma around plastic surgery and that's something I've actually worked on within myself to change where I look at someone who has clearly had a lot of work done and before it would be like oh they look so unnatural and weird but now I try to just think like that's what they want to look like and they look great like that's Mm -hmm. what they decided to do and like to not judge people so harshly because like seriously like why it's no different than like if you're judging someone for plastic surgery it it's the same as like just judging someone and saying oh you're ugly you know (laughs) like it's it's just like not cool to do and people choose to look that way and they like it and so I should just support it too. The other thing that I just was thinking about as you were talking is recently Chloe had a picture that she posted but she posted the unedited version of it online and the response was so overwhelmingly positive from Hmm. people. They were just like you look amazing without the filters and I looked at the photos side by side and she really does like she just looks like a woman like (laughs) a woman who's like had a kid you know and like it's just like so normal like so beautiful so great and it's like being open like that and the response sure you're gonna get like haters but they you already do so like just be open (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know it is so scary to think that this is what young people are growing up looking at because yeah it's like just so unattainable for so many people and like you're just when you're a teenager it's like you're just changing i look at pictures of what i looked like in high school and i'm like oh my god like i looked (laughs) so awkward and weird but then like you grow up and maybe you're not the most beautiful person in the world but like you're still changing and Mm -hmm. so to aspire to something like this is so has got to be just as negative as like i don't know looking at pictures of super thin models it's the same thing it's just two Mm -hmm. sides of the same coin i look at pictures of myself from years ago even as a man <laughs> and I think why did no one tell me that my hair looked like that or why did no one tell me that all of my clothes were a size too big and I am you know perfect in every way now of course but um like I <laughs> I wonder if 10 years from now I'll just keep thinking the same things of like why did I do my hair like that why did I think that that color looked good on me things like that but everyone wants what they can't have and no one is ever satisfied (laughs) with what they do have and i don't know that the kardashians feel any differently about that than anyone else they probably hate themselves just as much as everyone else hates themselves (laughs) but um you know i think we should all just be kinder to ourselves is what i'm trying to say and (laughs) we should just you know even if there are things about ourselves that we don't love just embrace them and try to find a way to love it and if you don't then you can get plastic surgery to change it just do it safely save up your money and (laughs) have someone do it who knows what they're doing and don't get it just to look like somebody else i i think that's uh, i couldn't agree more
Uh, so kind of a, an interesting segue from what we were just talking about. Another sort of impact related thing that I wanted to talk about was just the general cultural appropriation that the Kardashians do, I guess. <laughs> Uh, and their their general relations with like race and all of that, because I think there's a lot to unpack here. I read a really great article, a Time article, that talked about how the Kardashian image itself is sort of built on blurring the line between white and black or exotic versus all American. I I struggling to kind of put it in words, but basically the Kardashians are white and they inhabit a space where they try to appear that they are maybe not white and they dress in a certain way. They do their hair in a certain way. I mean, even the very first thing we talked about, having a large bottom, having a more shapely figure, there are racial lines there that they're kind of, it's maybe their appearance is valued more than like a black woman who has that same physique may not be valued as much for having that physique. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to think about the ways that they utilize these things to build their image. And it is problematic. I would say it is problematic. I don't know how you feel about it or how you felt watching the show if you picked up on anything like that or I don't know what you think about it. Yeah, I mean... It's so difficult for me to, like, say definitively it is problematic or it is not problematic because, it, like, part of me wants to say that, like, if they have not had work done to look that way, then it can't be appropriation. But at the same time, but at the same time, haha, <laughs> like, there are certain elements about the way they style themselves and about the hairstyles and things like that that maybe are not appropriate for white people to be putting out there, especially white people of such prominence who are constantly being photographed and like kind of can't make a false move like that without being called out for it. There are certain things that maybe they haven't been called out for enough, yeah. and maybe certain things that they were called out for that were not such a big deal, whatever. You know, there's both sides of the coin there. I don't know. It it's it's just hard for me to definitively draw a line to say yes, they are bad for doing all of these things because there's are some things that might just be a beautiful new take on something classic yeah. and something that was inspired by a, you know a certain place and time where white people did not exist, <laughs> but it, it does not mean that they are trying to be someone from that culture, someone from that place or that time whatever it might be. Does any of that make sense? That makes sense to me. I feel like this is, I said in the beginning, a place where I feel a little push-pull of contradiction because, and mm -hmm. of course, every time we say anything that begins with a C in this episode, just know in your head that it actually begins with a K in this episode. <laughs> so contradiction with a K. But I feel that push-pull here because... I think that they, maybe they are, maybe they aren't problematic, but what makes it interesting for me, and we might talk about this a little more later, is that they have this whole, like, mixed race family, at least Kim does, like, and mm -hmm. Kylie, you know, their children are mixed. And so, you know, maybe them trying out a hairstyle on themselves is a way to make their child proud of the way that their hair 
would have traditionally been styled. I mean, I, I might be giving them more credit here, but maybe there is some sort of connection there that they're trying to make or something that they're trying to do to celebrate the style's of their children. I I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. I don't know that they're doing that, but Right. I, That's the thing is like I don't I don't know how much they are thinking about, oh, I want my child to see someone looking beautiful wearing this, you know, hairstyle yeah. that is appropriate for them. I did want to mention two examples here from the show where they pretty directly address race and that would be in season 14 where Kendall uses the show as a platform to discuss her involvement in a controversial Pepsi campaign that trivialized the Black Lives Matter movement and then in season 17 as well Kim discusses changing the name of her shapewear brand which had at that point not launched yet from kimono to skims after I guess hearing from the mayor of Kyoto that the history of the kimono and why that is like not an appropriate name for her shapewear brand. So these I think are just two examples of them being celebrities on a large platform making mistakes. I think. I think Kendall probably walked into that Pepsi commercial. They're probably like, did she even read a script? No, she probably just like got there and they were like, walk, do this. Like same with Kim, like kimono, I remember hearing the name and thinking, that's brilliant. That's like such a fun name. But I think that there is some truth to it that like, maybe is it not the best name because of its cultural association? And Skims is a fine name as well. I don't know if you watched either of those episodes, but... I did not. I feel like both of these instances were clearly not anyone trying to do anything appropriative. You know, it's like, I don't assume that Kendall thinks that the Black Lives Matter movement is irrelevant or should be dismissed just because she was in that Pepsi commercial that, let's, you know, be honest, probably became something different than what it originally was supposed to be and completely yeah. missed the mark on what it was trying to be. But I think as long as they are taking the lessons that they have learned by people who have corrected them, it's people who have pointed out to them, this was not okay and here are the reasons why, then that's forgivable. Everyone is always in a constant state of learning and bettering themselves, or they should be, at least, especially if you were on a public platform with as much influence right. and as much sway as the Kardashians have. You have a responsibility to take that feedback when you get it and make changes, and they have. And I can't say definitively that the things that they have done have not ever been appropriative and that they have learned from all of their mistakes, but I do see efforts on their parts to make right the things that they got wrong. Well, maybe let's segue out of some uh, controversial territory into something maybe a little less controversial so that Cody and I don't say anything that gets us cancelled before we really ever begin. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and please know that if we ever say anything that is culturally appropriate or insensitive or inappropriate for two very white people to be saying, we would like you to bring it to our attention so that we can informally <laughs> apologize for it because we swear we don't mean it. <laughs> Exactly. So this next point that I wanted to bring up is something that honestly didn't hit me right away, but I think could potentially be why the Kardashians have had such a lasting presence in our culture. And I would say that 
I titled this segment. I don't know why I gave everything titles, but Mm-mm. I titled this segment Redefining the Typical American Family for a New Millennium. That sounds really big, but basically I just started thinking about it and the name itself, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, is such a play on Keeping Up with the Joneses. And I think that it started out as, you know, these sort of well-to-do people, well-to-do family with maybe some like C-list celebrities that were relatable to everyone because they were a family, because of that family dynamic. And over time, yes, they've become way more famous. That should make them less relatable. But at the end of the day, I think that they've only become more relatable. And that could just be because they're in our lives more because of all of the things that they do now. But I also think it's because of their modern family structure. I think it's so relatable to people living today. I have a whole list of reasons why their family is sort of the new normal for American families. Maybe that's a big step to make, but it's a blended family. We said at the beginning, two divorced families blending together. And we already briefly mentioned that there's a mixed race element to the family with partners who are black to the women and children who are therefore black and white, mixed race. I also said that dad doesn't have to be quote-unquote male because Caitlyn Jenner transitioned during her time with the family. And I also, this is a little more out there than the rest, but I also think that there's something very modern about the way that the women in the family are allowed to be very sexy and date and all of these things while also being mothers. Sure, that's been around forever with like other celebrities, but I think that the Kardashians really exemplify that you can be both. And so I think in all of these ways, they have changed the way or maybe reflected the way that America's family has changed within the past, you know, 20, 30 years. Yeah, I think you're totally right about that. We talked on this show a couple of times already about how there's such a weird lack of mixed race couples represented on TV. And uh, I would argue that maybe the Kardashians have done more for mixed race relationships than (laughs) anyone else in the last 15 years. Not that I assume they were doing it intentionally, but I mean, Courtney's the only one at this point who has not dated a, yeah. a, someone outside of her race, right? So, you know, it's it's something that we do need to see more of because there is more of it in the world today than there ever has been. But anyway, like I think in that way, they do just feel like a regular modern family and that does make them more relatable. Like you said, it's, it might not be the kind of family that every person in this world sees for themselves. You know, whenever, for example, if I go to a family reunion, it's all still white people, but (laughs) there are lots of families where that's not the case. You know, my family is all still in rural Pennsylvania though, so that's probably part of it. Whereas the Kardashians are living in a very diverse city like Los Angeles and other places throughout the world. But I think they do expand those ideas of what a family looks like in a way that's healthy for society, in a way that we kind of need to see. I hate to use the word normalize because all, you know, whatever family structure you want is normal, but it's you know, making it more visible that this is how a family can look and maybe should look these days. So our final thing that we're going to talk about in terms of impact is 
basically how the Kardashians have created influencer culture and have taken that and turned it into empires of businesses, for lack of a better word. I think the Kardashians are heralded by many as the original influencers. They began, and you see this in the show a lot early on, doing all of these endorsement deals. They, like, sold their souls to Skechers, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And then over time, as the show continued as their popularity grew, they were able to pivot in a really smart way from influencing for other people to influencing for their own brands. Some of their businesses that they've created are Poosh, that's Courtney's, it's like Goop, I don't know, it's dumb, Good American, which is Chloe's, Skims, Kylie Cosmetics, Kendall's, Tequila, Kim's Perfume Line, it goes on and on. And I'm pretty sure Kim is now worth over a billion dollars. Kylie is not that far behind. I know she was touted as being a billionaire, but then she's really like a $900 million heir. Mm -hmm. I think that the show did play a very key component in this because when they do have controversy, going back to the kimono thing, they have the show as a very legitimate way to address these things and get people back on their side who they may have lost or just even the show's basically just an ad for all of this stuff at Mm -hmm. this point. Yep. So... Yeah, I absolutely think that they don't get enough credit for being as good of business people as they are. You know, the the detractors, the haters out there, and there are plenty, just, I think, are constantly writing them off as stupid people who don't deserve to be famous for anything, who don't actually know what's happening with their money, don't deserve anything that they have worked for or earned. And I, as I said earlier, I don't really care about them, but I fully give them credit for what they have done with their businesses. I don't know the specifics of all of their financials. I don't know whether the businesses are actually well run, but from what I can tell, they are thriving and growing. I I think it's silly to dismiss them or to, to say that they don't know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. And they've gone about it, like you said, in a very intentional and intelligent way like they know how to build a brand i feel like with with some people it's just inherent in that way like where they can't help but know how to market themselves and know how to build a brand and for them to do it just around their name for one thing like now they are not necessarily selling products at all they are selling the kardashian or jenner name and that's a hard thing to do for a lot of people and it takes a lot of time for most people to be able to work up to that and but they have put that time in and they've done that work and if you look around now how many other people in the world today can do what they are doing with their businesses how many other people have the ability to just sell their name and make a billion dollars off of it not many. Not many. Like It's a very small number. <laughs> I wanted to say before we move on from this that one thing I personally give them a ton of credit for is that the brands that they create are very inclusive. Mm. I know that Good American, which is a Chloe's clothing line, has sizes up to like 
3XL, 4XL, very, and then on the other end of the spectrum for very small. Like her gene range is like one of the only ones where people who are larger can find genes that really flatter their figure, at least Mm. from what I've seen online, other people saying. And for Kim and Kylie, both with shapewear and with makeup, they have a pretty decent shade range for like their undergarments or their makeup, which is still a pretty big problem in America and even more so overseas, I think. Mm -hmm. I know that Rihanna's Fenty Beauty line was inclusive before the Kardashians. So like they're not the only ones, but Mm -hmm. they arguably have the platform to really showcase that and they don't have to do it. You know, they didn't have to be that inclusive, but they are. And Mm -hmm. I give them a ton of credit for that. And again, does it excuse any cultural appropriation that they have done? No. Is it a result of their children, their families? Maybe not. But I think it's all of these factors blending together in a really interesting way. Agreed. So do you want to move on? Shall we move on to some overall discussion questions? I tried to come up with some (laughs) discussion questions. You know, I, I raised some points to Cody about, you know, what does it mean that this family still wants to continue doing a show? Like, what place does that play in, in their brand, in their lives? Because really, they don't need to keep doing shows. You know, mm-hmm. they have social media. And I also kind of wanted to talk about, like, why I don't really think it's productive to list them as being good or bad. But then Cody blew me away because he sent me what he describes as a hot take that I don't really know that I think it's a hot take. But <laughs> I, I want you to to maybe take the lead on this because I think what you got at with your discussion question really encompassed everything I was trying to say in a much better way than I was trying to say it. Okay, well, let me just give you a little a little idea that's been floating around in my head and it it will kind of take some working toward the idea maybe (laughs) so just follow me on this train of thought millions upon millions of people care about the kardashians every move and every presentation of themselves to the world i cody allen hoffman am not one of them I could never dispute their influence on television and on popular culture and the world in general, but I just don't care about any of them. Like, whether they make a billion dollars or not on anything that they're selling makes no difference to me. Whether they are traveling the world to all these beautiful places, I could not care less, right? So I'm trying to figure out what am I missing here that so many other people are seeing? Why are they so captivating to most people why do people have such strong reactions either positive or negative to them and i don't can you answer that question for me elena i don't know if i have an answer for you uh it's fine if you don't i wouldn't expect you to (laughs) so that thought might just have to be unresolved but anyway one of the things that i recognize that draws a lot of people to the kardashians is that they have so much vulnerability relatability authenticity genuineness there was an article that elena had found that we both read from the hollywood insider that talks a lot about 
each of like those ideas of the Kardashians just being honest and putting everything out there, and that's why people have responded to them so much. But I would argue that the nature of their show and of their social media presences are such that you only see what they want you to see. Therefore, we as viewers being invited behind the curtain, so to speak, are not getting the full picture of who they actually are and what their lives are actually like because we only see the moments that they deem worthy of showing us, even if it's embarrassing or scandalous. Therefore, it is hard to say whether the Kardashians or any other reality star or influencer are actually genuine and authentic because we don't see the entirety of their lives. We only get what they put out there into the world, which may be a distorted version of reality, right? Yeah. So I feel like as a result of all of that, it's become harder for us as a society to distinguish between something that is authentic and genuine and something that feels genuine and authentic based on what we already believe and want to be true. And I'm not saying that the Kardashians are solely responsible for that degradation of our collective <laughs> cultural discernment, but I feel like unquestionably they have contributed to it. And they have sort of given rise to this culture that is all about looking at things through this sort of distorted lens whether you were trying to do it or not, it's just so hard sometimes to distinguish fact from reality when we want to believe everything that we are seeing is fact, but it's not. And, you know, I I don't like to make this leap, <laughs> but I feel like that diminished ability to separate the story that is presented to the world from the actual story, aka the truth, has resulted in some very significant consequences across the world, including a lot of political decisions, maybe the rise of a certain orange president, all sorts of other uprisings happening in other countries around the world. And again, not blaming the Kardashians for any of this, but I think we wouldn't maybe have this problem to the extent that we have it in society if it weren't for social media and the ways that they have contributed to it. But I guess I'm wondering if you feel like I am completely off base with any of these thoughts, or if you think that there might be some legitimacy to what I have concocted with that idea. Well, I don't think you're totally off base. I will start out by saying that, but I think that there is so much to unpack in what you just said. So I am just going to share my overall thoughts on, on it. The first thing I want to say is that I really think that this is... <laughs> This sort of answers why the show is so important to them, in my opinion. And what I mean by that is without the show itself, they would just be like any other influencer. And their carefully crafted images would just be as transparent as like a regular influencer. Mm -hmm. But the show, even though it's super heavily produced, allows them to seem legitimate to present this quote-unquote genuine look at how they are as people. And even though it is crafted like any other reality show or YouTube channel or whatever, there is still that rice grain of truth to it because at the end of the day, the relationships between the people on the show are literally, like, they literally are real because they are genetically a family. Right. So 
I think that, yeah, sure, like, it is crafted, it is curated, it is not truth with a capital T, but there is some authenticity there. And I think if you take the show out of the equation, their power on social media would decline. That's just my thought. I I could be wrong. You know, the viewership of the show is just a couple million people, but I do think it it just helps with everything. If think of every influencer had like a reality show, I mean, maybe not every influencer because some of them are just not that charismatic, but you know, it could take them a long way, but they don't have that. And then we just get this really flat image of who they are. I think to address your orange president comment, <laughs> I think that I get what you're saying. I kind of agree, but I just think, I think it's best to think about it in terms of social media in general. I mean, like, Mark Zuckerberg is way more to blame for anything to happening. And I know you said you're not assigning blame. (laughs) But, like, social media has, from the beginning, given people this opportunity to craft their image. Even, take it back to MySpace. You know, like, it's just always been what social media is. And the Kardashians might be one of the best examples of someone maximizing the capabilities of social media to craft their brand. Mm -hmm. But... If you took them away, I think that Trump, I'll say his name, still would have used Twitter in the the way that he did because he was able to engage with the millions of people who feel brave enough online to pretend to be the person they want to be rather than to just be the person they actually are. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to rant a little bit and be like a seventh grade, like emo boy right now. But to address the truth, I just think that there is no truth and there's never been any truth and I think I'm getting maybe way too philosophical here but I just think what's happening right now it's really easy to think that social media is like such a problem and that like everything's fake and what's real anymore and people don't know how to tell what's real anymore but I just don't think that's really a new phenomenon I think like on a macro level like religion science like political movements cultural movements like those have always dictated our reality and the truth I mean, like the Catholic Church is easily just like for before social media, the Catholic Church in the 1500s was what created truth and and not truth. And then on a micro level, like we have friend groups who can be an echo chamber. We have families, we have TV and music that just reinforces our own beliefs and all of that. And so like arguably people have just been crafting their image since the dawn of time. It's just different now, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I definitely think I've taken it far beyond what you were trying to say. Like, I don't think you're maybe talking about truth in the same way necessarily as I am. And you're talking more about like facts that are real and aren't real and how Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. But I just think like, especially when evaluating media, including social media, it's just best to know that like, we'll never really know the truth. And I guess maybe the problem there then is that some people don't know that, but like any thing that is created (laughs) is like from point of inspiration through the making of it through the distributing of it through the viewing of it like there's just so many factors at play and like so many levels in which like any true meaning or truth with a capital t is just like gone and we only have like truth with a lowercase t that the best truth that we can have yeah i don't know i had a lot of thoughts about it and i i really enjoyed what you wrote to me because it really made me think and yeah i don't know the kardashians are people I respect kind of even more having said everything I just said because they obviously are playing us all 
but they do it well enough that it just doesn't matter. I understand where <laughs> you're coming from with all that, and I agree with a lot of it, I think. My whole thought after hearing you say all of that, though, is that I think where our sort of takes, where our individual hot takes on this meet is that what we need more of in society is people who are willing to, like, do their research and find out what they actually right. believe, rather than just hearing one side of the story and believing that, you know, okay, this is true because I'm hearing about this one thing from this one source that I trust. We all in today's world, we owe it to ourselves and to the rest of the world to do our homework and to not just take everything at face value because there is so much out there that you can't trust. And, you know, I, for something as, you know, frivolous as the Kardashians posting selfies with, you know, with their makeup brands or whatever it might be, it's, is there a lot of cultural harm being done if someone believes that that is true? Probably not. But I think for the people that have that platform to truly shape minds, and we're talking more about, I think, bigger media outlets and things, you need to be careful about how you are presenting things to the world. And very few media outlets are careful about that. And that's, I think, the real reason that we've ended up in the hairy, sticky situation that we are in, like I had said earlier. I appreciate that the Kardashians have done some work to put spotlights on things that are important in our world. Earlier today, I watched an episode where uh, Kim and Courtney travel to Armenia and meet with the president of Armenia to try to bring awareness to the Armenian genocide. I think of, you know, Kim's work with trying to free uh, people who have been imprisoned for mm -hmm. marijuana offenses, you know, whatever the case might be with any of those things. I even think to an extent the way that the show has addressed Caitlyn's transition. You know, I watched the two-part special that they did all about Caitlyn talking with the members of the family about the transition and all of that, highlighting things that are important to our world right now. That's if they were just on social media and did not have the television aspect, as you said, it would be a lot harder to do that and to have meaningful conversations about it. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. I mean, even thinking about the ways that we've seen them grow and change over the years or address their shortcomings, like even something as simple as that can be very powerful because having people like the Kardashians who are on a big platform and are able to say, I messed up. And here's how I'm learning. That's kind of the attitude that we all need to have mm -hmm. right now, I think. I don't know if I said that in the most eloquent way, but uh, no, I, I hope it like made that sense. Makes sense. Yes. That was <laughs> okay. a good way to say it, even if it wasn't the most eloquent. <laughs> well, do you have any lingering thoughts or concerns you'd like to bring up? <laughs> I feel like that's enough for that discussion question. <laughs> Um, it was a big discussion, so I hope that someone got something out of it. I've been Elena Hillard. I have been Cody Hoffman, and I hope that you just have a swell day. Me too. Bye! Okay, bye! Thanks for listening to Televisionary. If you like what you heard, share this episode with a friend. You can follow us on Instagram at Televisionary Podcast, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Bye!